Well, happy Father's Day, every dad out there. As we said, every dad, every person in that father role, welcome along this morning. Shout out to Dad this morning. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Uh, I think we have things working. I've, I've asked the tech team for a bunch of uh, very technical things this morning. I want to do the slides myself, so I'm hoping that's going to work. See if it comes up on the screen in a minute. Um, yeah, Father's Day. How about that game yesterday? You, those people that know me know that I love sport. Did you enjoy the game yesterday? Yeah? Yes! Come on, I loved it. I was glued to it. Couldn't get enough of it, actually. So much so that I, I took a photo of a couple of the top athletes in it. They, did, they didn't come up for chocolate. What a game, guys. What a game. Thank you so much. Just a, at one point of the game. Uh, my son, Kieran, and I were sitting in the audience doing statistical analysis of the number of goals scored and shot percentages, so I'll give you that breakdown tomorrow. <laughs> it was great. It was really good. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's Father's Day, so we're going to have a few Father's Day dad jokes. We've got to have those. You know, I was talking to my family about this yesterday. They said, don't do too many, Dad. And I was in the, in the kitchen busy cleaning out my son's lunch boxes. And, and I, said to my, I said to my wife, they haven't eaten their sandwiches again. She said, just throw them out. You know, and I thought, well, it seems a bit extreme, but okay. <laughs> yeah, we should get all the dad jokes out of the way, shouldn't we? We'll get them all out of the way. Um, I should get them all out. These are my two favorite at the moment. No matter how kind you are, German children will always be kinder. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> my, my dad loved, loved um, dad jokes. Uh, I remember the, the day that my son was born, my firstborn son. It was a beautiful day, and I was really teary and holding my son. And dad came in, and he gave me this book. You know, the, the father's book of dad jokes. Like the book, past, traditional, passing on from father to son. I said, Dad, oh, I'm honored. He said, hi, honored, I'm dad. <laughs> no, they get terrible. Okay. Oh, he's getting, they're getting worse? We'll get there. Okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Did you see the display as you came in this morning? Did you pick up on the theme? Yeah, there's the big fire truck and the little fire truck to compare. The big boat, the little boat, the big ute, the little, you know, the comparison is what we want to talk about this morning. Yeah, if you, uh, if you love the boat, if you're interested in building a boat, come and see me afterwards. I know a guy. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough. We want to talk today about comparison, the thief of joy. And uh, I know so many times we think uh, comparison, yeah, that's something that we know that, that women do. And it's men we go, yeah, yeah. It's not us. But we do that, don't we, guys? So we're going to reveal a few secrets today about how men think uh, and about how we compare ourselves. Uh, and it's quite a, a serious topic. You know, really just thinking about what Tom said. We're coming in today on Father's Day. We can have a bit of fun. We can have a few laughs. We will. There's more to come, I promise. But there's actually a serious side this morning in the message. So we want to get that balance right. Okay. Um, I want to start by inviting you all to take part in a small psychological study. 
Now, those of you who know me know that I like some academics. So um, I'm going to ask you to participate in this, and all you have to do is to answer some questions honestly. And to help you with that, you don't have, I'm not going to ask you to tell me your answers. It's secret to you. But I want you to honestly answer these questions in your head. Uh, and this is based on some research, of course it is, uh, from the Journal of Experimental Psychology just recently. And these questions are going to reveal something about the way that we think. All right, so you ready? here's the first one. It's nice and simple. True or false? You can answer this in your head. I am better than most people at driving. Got that in your head? What about this one? I am better than most people at judging people's character. You see, when they ask people these questions, those two particular questions, somewhere between 70 and 80% of people will say, yep, that's me. And we think about that mathematically, that's not possible. 70% of people can't be better than average drivers. It's got to be 50-50. It's called a, a better than average response. And as humans, we do that. Try this one. What about if I gave you the opportunity to enter a competition to win a cash prize? All right, and all you have to do to win the competition is to take part in a quiz, and the topic of the quiz will be TV shows and movies. Yeah, the top half of contestants will win a prize. Who's in? Who's interested? Show of hands, who would like to be involved in that? Oh, you're very shy. You're going to win a cash prize, and the topic, yeah, that would sound good. Most people, if you ask them to take part in that sort of uh, competition, will say, yeah, I'll give that a go. I think I can win that. Notice, 50% of people are going to win. It doesn't actually matter what the topic is. Interestingly, if you turn the topic around, you say, right, now the topic is uh, Elizabethan feudal systems and their economics. <laughs> Most people will say, no, no, there's only one, yeah. Most, <laughs> Most people will say, no, oh, well, I would lose that. It's still 50% are going to win it. This is called a worse than average response. And psychologists debate continuously, they're still debating, why we estimate ourselves as better than most people in some situations and worse than people in other situations. There's a whole lot of debate about it. But the one thing they agree on is we're not good at it. We are hopeless at comparing ourselves to others. We're not accurate judges. Now, I'm sure I'm better than most people at driving. But my wife's not here to answer that. <laughs> you know, this is, and this is a problem. We're rubbish at comparing ourselves, and yet we do it all the time. Yeah. Subconsciously, without thinking, we're continually doing this, continually trying to estimate um, whether we're better than others. And so I thought I want to go through a couple of problems with that, where this leads to danger. So I went to my wife. And I said, look, I'm going to be talking on this comparing topic. I need some people that I can compare myself to. Yeah, my wife said, well, we'll, uh, we'll just come up with a few. <laughs> it's quite reasonable comparison. I thought so. She's <laughs> it's very generous, my wife. Yeah, yeah, she didn't say whether I was, how I should compare myself. <laughs> You see, there's two problems. One problem when we compare ourselves is that sometimes we think we're superior. Sometimes we think we're superior. You know, maybe uh, we're better looking, or we have better abs, guys, we do this all the time, or we have a bigger boat, 
or a better car or a nicer house or our job pays more, and we decide that we're slightly superior. And the problem with this is it leads to pride and to arrogance. You know, it's easy to slip into that. It's easy to slip into this situation. The problem with that is when we elevate ourselves, we actually steal the glory of God. We give it to ourselves. And the Bible tells us God opposes the pride. He gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that situation putting myself up in opposition to God. That doesn't sound like a safe place to be. There's another option which feels more humble. And that's where we compare ourselves and we decide we're not as good. And we begin to run ourselves down. We demean ourselves. Ah, but that guy, he's got a better job than me. And he's better looking. And I mean, he's Chris Hemsworth. You know, he's, he's good with hammers. Um, and we run ourselves down. And the problem with this is it leads to resentfulness, to jealousy, to envy, to despair. We begin to invest time in our lives going after those things that we think we lack. And when we do that, we also rob glory from God because we deny the wonder of His creation. The Bible tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. When I think in my head, oh, I'm no good. I'm no good. What I'm telling God is, this thing you created, it's not good enough. That's a brave statement to make. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We get into this dangerous position. How did Jesus manage this? You know, let's have a look at how Jesus, the Son of God, managed this, this way of comparing. It says in John 5, 17, uh, Jesus answered them. So Jesus speaking, My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. And for this reason... The Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. All right, so Jesus was putting himself at the same level as God. I wouldn't want to do that. Earlier in John, Jesus is speaking, uh, listening to, this, uh, to a woman who said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus rather epically said, I who speak, that's me. How is it that Jesus could stand up and say, I'm God. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. He wasn't arrogant. He was speaking in perfect humility when he said that. There's no way I could say that. It's just not true. But Jesus could say that because it was accurate. You see, we think that humility is putting ourselves down so that others can be special. But that's not humility. It's certainly not biblical humility. Biblical humility is seeing ourselves exactly as God sees us. And that's tricky. Because if we go around spending our time comparing ourselves to others, we're looking at the wrong standard, aren't we? We need to be looking at what, how does God see me. There's one particularly dangerous way that we compare ourselves to others. And this comes from Luke. Uh, Luke 18, 9. 
And Jesus is telling a parable about comparisons. So it's something we can look at here to learn about comparisons. It says, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He said, two men went up into the temple to pray. Almost sounds like the start of a joke. If you guys don't know. Two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and one a tax collector. Now we're supposed to pause at that point and think. What do we know about Pharisees and what do we know about tax collectors? Pharisees were the legal judges. They were the people that made decisions that taught about the scripture. They knew their stuff. They were the ones that led the Jewish communities. Tax collectors worked for the Romans. They were despised because they would come to collect the taxes, to take away. They were, they were always shunned. So we're being set up here. There's two people gone into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Can you see it? Yeah? How great am I? He's praying this prayer. There may be some truth in it. Maybe he did tithe correctly, you know? Maybe he was, he was a man of, of honor, you know, didn't, didn't extort others, wasn't unjust. But he's going in praying with this attitude. Meanwhile, the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Can you see the difference in the attitude? So there's two parts to this. It's seeing ourselves truthfully the way that God sees us, and going in with a truly humble attitude. That humble attitude that says, God, you deserve the glory. Yeah? Don't let me take the glory. The tough question is this. Do you ever pray a prayer like that, like the Pharisee? It's hard to admit. There are times when I compare myself to others, and I go, I'm ashamed to say it, but I put myself above them. I think, well, I have got a better job. I work in the best school in the world. Yeah, or I'm I'm highly educated. You know, I must be smarter than that person. We need to catch ourselves when we get into these moments, and we need to correct ourselves and our attitude to come back to God and to say, "You are the giver of all gifts." You are the one that sees me accurately. Help me to see myself the way that you see me. So how does God measure us? We get an awesome story uh, in the story of King David's selection from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. So I'll set the story up here. Uh, Samuel has been told to go and to anoint the new king of Israel. It's a big job. And so he's told to go to a particular place and offer an offering and that Jesse is going to come in and bring his sons before Samuel and God will tell Samuel which one to anoint to be the future king of Israel. This is a big job. Yeah, imagine imagine the job interview, king of Israel. And so Jesse comes in 
And he brings his first son before Samuel. Eliab is his name. And this guy's a good-looking guy. Tall, strapping guy, intelligent. And Samuel assumes, aha, this is the one. That was easy. And he gets ready to anoint. For the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. Kind of seems obvious to us, and yet it's really profound, isn't it? When we compare, we compare to outward appearances. Why? Because that's all we can see. That's all we can see. We can't see into the heart. God has an inherent advantage over us. He can see our thoughts and what's going on in our hearts. I talked to the students in, in year 12 last week about this. How freaky would it be if we could see each other's thoughts? <laughs> yeah? How much time do we spend worrying about our outward appearance, putting out that projection, whether we do it in, in public, whether we do it in social media? Man, we do it a lot in social media, don't we? We're worried about polishing that outward appearance so that because we know we're going to be judged and compared. And we want to make sure we come out not well in that. The Lord says, He doesn't look at the outward appearances, He judges the heart. Wouldn't it be better if we spent more time worrying about the condition of our heart? Yeah? It's not always easy to do this. Our human reaction is to react to things around us to people to compare, to try to outdo. Guys, we do this all the time. And often we hide it. You know, we say that's someone else's problems. Can we be honest with ourselves this morning? We do this. And we need to get better at catching ourselves doing it and correcting ourselves to go after what God sees. There's this awesome trend sweeping the world, isn't there? The sort of hashtag no filter. You know, and, and body image and all these things. But it tends to be women that have woken up to the idea that what we see on social media is not real. Guys, we need to catch up with that. Yeah? We need to catch up with, we do the same things. There are three keys, I think, to overcoming the problems of comparing. Yeah, I'm going to bring this in with three keys to overcoming this. Number one, Acts 3.19. We do it, we need to accept it and own it. We need to repent of it. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see, when we compare ourselves, whether we judge ourselves to be superior or inferior, and we know we're rubbish at it, we're getting into sin. We're getting into the sin of pride and arrogance on one side, or we're getting into the, the sins of envy and jealousy on the other side. We need to repent of that. Come back to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out. This is the coolest thing. When we stuff it up again and again and again, God's not waiting there to go, oh, so what you did, you're in big trouble. He doesn't put on that dad voice. 
Does your, did your dad have that voice? My dad had that voice. You know, we, had, we could have lots of fun. And then, but then he would say, <coughs> Julian. And you knew the tone in his voice. Well, I'm here. I can tell you this morning. God is not sitting up there waiting to point out your sin and to make you feel terrible about it and to say, I want nothing to do with you. If we are faithful to go to him and repent of it, to say, I blew it again, Lord. Help me to turn the other way. He is faithful to forgive us. And watch what happens. We often forget the second part of the verse. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Who would like some refreshing? I'm ready for some refreshing. Week seven of term three in school times is a tough time. Ready for refreshing. There's a key to how we get it, number one. Number two, we need to begin to treat others differently. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because it's easy to pray for my friends and the people that I care about. I do that all the time. Yeah, I pray for my family. I pray for my wife, my kids, my colleagues at work, my friends. That's great. And, but what about the people that just rubbed me the wrong way? What about the person that said something last week that really wound me up? I had someone say something to me last week. They didn't mean it offensively. I took it offensively, and it ate at me for a good day and a half before the Lord said, stop it. Pray for that person. Yeah? If we began to treat everybody else positively, if we began to pray for everybody else, we remove that competition. Now I'm not competing with you. I want you to do well. I want you to succeed. Yeah? Takes all the sting out of it. It's not easy, but that's what we've got to aim at. And the third and final thing that I want to talk about and that I want to discuss this morning is one you've seen many times. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Doesn't that, can you feel the refreshing? I don't have to be better than that guy because I'm not following his plan. I'm following God's plan. Yeah? If God put me here for a purpose and created me on purpose, all I have to worry about is what that plan is. And to go after that. I don't have to compete. I don't have to worry about whether I'm earning more money or I've got a bigger car. All I have to do is follow God's plan. I find that incredibly freeing. Yeah, like, like it just takes a big weight off my shoulders. All I need to do is turn my eyes to God and go, your plan is what matters, Lord. And you notice something here. Amber points this out. I love it. It doesn't say, for I know the singular plan I have for you. Yeah? Plan, a one plan that will prosper you and not to harm you unless you stuff it up. One plan that will give you a hope and a future. Whoops, you just stuffed it up. Yeah, there's plans. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, I'm going to walk along your plans, Lord. Whoops. And God isn't sitting there to go, no, you've stuffed it up. That's it. Try someone else. He's there to go, okay, you come back to me. You repent. We go again. Yeah? I don't know that I need a worship team at the end of this, but worship team, can I get you to come back up? I want to challenge you this morning. Yep, it's Father's Day. 
We've got lots of fun. Dad jokes, presents. I got given awesome presents this morning. I got a full suite of chili sauces. I love chili sauce. Going home to try those. We got some some great things that are gonna happen after the service. There's time to go out and take photos with your kids on on the, the fancy gear that's out there. But I want you to go with a challenge this morning. Don't go out the way you came in. And I'm particularly talking to the guys. Will you be honest with yourself this morning? Yeah? Don't go out the way you came in. If you've got something you need to come and get right with God, you can come and do that. I'm not going to judge you because I've got things I need to get right with God. We all do. Yeah? If you're struggling with comparing yourself, if you're struggling with those people that you know you need to pray for, you can come and get help with that. We've got some guys up here who will come and pray with you. Yeah? If you're not struggling with that, praise the Lord. That's fantastic. Go after those plans that He has for you. Pray for those others around you to take the sting out of the comparison. I remember on the day of my wedding, the pastor said to me, this is easy. Marriage is easy. This is how it works. You spend your life thinking about her and she'll spend your life thinking about you and everybody gets taken care of. It works in community as well. Yeah? If I spend my time praying for others, even those ones that annoy me, and they spend their time praying for, if we each spend our time praying for everyone else, this is how it works. And what prayer will we pray? Let's pray this. Let's pray, God, we know you have a plan for us. Can we have that plan, please? Not our own plans, that plan. Pass it back to Pastor Tom.